Ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, welcome to the anime podcast of some sort. I'm David Majors. Some of you might know me as DJM and my co-host, my longtime co-host of, of various podcasts of some sort, Jack Dalton Alistair Noir II. What's up, Jackson? It's been 17 years, Mr. Majors. I'm so excited. I'm very excited. This is going to be great. <clears throat> Me too. Th- this is the podcast that I get so pumped and jazzed to do, mostly because it's to talk with Jack, but also it's also where we just talk about stuff from anime, manga, and games, and all that cool stuff that we really like. So, Jack, let's just jump in. I know this is a story that is very near and dear to your heart. It's a show that we've talked about a couple of times here on APOS. Uh, Osumatsu-san, Mr. Osumatsu, uh, is about to have a stage play. And uh, the story comes in saying that they have revealed the cast for the Osumatsu stage play entitled... Osumatsu-san on stage, Six Men's Showtime. Uh, the stage play adaptation uh, revealed its cast members uh, last week. And uh, Jack, uh, you got a good look at all of these cast members. And uh, Jack, let me just say, first of all, uh, apologies and my condolences to you. I know you, you really gave it your all uh, in the auditions. And uh, I just want to oh, yeah. say I'm sorry. Uh, I know you gave it your all. Oh, I, I'm just so disappointed, David, because I, I go all the way to Japan. I'm, I know all the gags, all the, all the little, uh, verbal ticks and everything. And I go in and I'm ready. I even brought my own purple pantsuit. That's how much I was prepared. And I go in with my natural overbite and they just, they hire a guy with performance enhancers. I, I just can't believe it. I, this is an outrage, but. I, you know, it's not who you know, but it's who you share, I guess. But it's it's not you who know, you know; it's who you do Godspeed. in this business. Oh yeah, Jack. Oh yeah. Well, but anyway. the pictures are great. It's a lot of fun yeah. looking. <clears throat> so that was exciting, for sure. It it, it does look like it's going to be a pretty fun. Uh, stage play. Uh, it will run in Osaka from September 29th to October 3rd. So you've still got time, everybody. Uh, and then it will be from October 13th to the 23rd in Rapungi in Tokyo. Hey, now you can make a party out of it. And, uh, there's something. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, um, there is a lot of stuff, uh, both in Japan and in, uh, America that is really celebrating this, uh, this revival of um, this this old anime staple. It's really interesting to look at. There was just recently, um, there was a a month long convention kind of a kind of a shopping experience that you could get in L.A. in Los Angeles, and uh, it was Osamatsu themed, and it was really interesting to see something like that. Uh, there was a little cafe and everything. Like they just went all out with um the usual trappings and such there are pictures uh online if you look up i think it's called osamatsu fest in los angeles that happened and um it, it wasn't called osumatsu con like osumatsu san I, I wish i think that they just absolutely destroyed it i think it's because they have other conventions that they were trying to tie it in to with the summer but 
that really surprised me that they did something so specific like that. The only thing that comes to mind that has its own thing right now in America is, well, I'll, I'll keep my opinion shut about it, but my, my tone of voice will invoke. I believe that they are in the making for 2017 to have a Steven Universe convention. That's like the only thing that's had the same uh, treatment as this so far. And David, I'm surprised to hear that this is doing more better in Japan than One Punch Man is. Does that surprise really? you? Really? It is a hit with all kinds. Well, m- maybe it's things are starting to die down a little bit for One Punch Man since it came out earlier in the year and in late 2015. So maybe it's starting to die down a little bit since the show's already aired. Uh, maybe with if there's another season of One Punch Man somewhere down the line, maybe that'll be the case. I'm not entirely surprised that Osumatsu-san is as popular as it has been uh, because it is a, a fun show. With a very Japanese sense of humor to it. Uh, mm. And I think that this is something... I, I'm not entirely surprised that this is doing so well. And like with so many popular things in Japan, uh, it will grow a franchise and they will do a stage play and a cartoon and probably some video games. And they'll just milk it dry until... There may be another season, or nobody wants to do it anymore. Of course, with a show like this, it could be another twenty years from now. So, I'm mm-hmm. guessing that this will, this will probably have a stage play. This could very well be the Japanese equivalent to Phantom of the Opera in a few years. Who knows? <laughs> it could be. I actually it might go on David. forever. Uh, so, judging by your comments, I'd say that you've. Uh, at least checked out some of the show at this point. I'm I'm not sure. I I'm not certain. Have I have, and I found it to be overall harmlessly funny. Uh, yes. I went in kind of expecting something that would not necessarily be to my taste. Uh, no secret, I, I'm not a fan of what is usually referred to as scatological humor. Uh, but Osumatsu-san kind of surprised me. It was not nearly as bad as I expected it to be, and I enjoyed it. It was it was a fun little show. So here's the real question, David: Which sextuplet are you? I haven't watched nearly enough to determine that just uh, yet. Oh, that that's a shame. That's a shame. Uh, so we'll we'll put you down for just the basic bitch of the group, so to speak, Osumatsu. But um, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I'm really surprised. Wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) Actually, I think people give Osamatsu a little bit, uh, not enough credit of that, because uh, there is stuff that he definitely, definitely has that is uh, unique, such as his love of money and the beloved pastime of Japan, pachinko. I thought uh, you were going to say baseball. Because I do like... that's, That's Junjimatsu. Okay, because I do like baseball. That that is one thing. I am a baseball fan. Are you, and have you ever been brain damaged? Because then and only then can I say that you are Jinshimatsu. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, I have never suffered any Dane damage. No. Okay. Well, that that sounds good. You you sound very sure. You know that I, I can read that cl- crystal clear. So, for sure, I will say. 
uh, for you and for anybody else who's maybe checked out a little bit of the show, just just to kind of just to wrap it up, is that uh, the first few episodes, they keep very true to uh, the format of the first two anime series that they've had, where uh, the brothers do not have uh, unique appearances. They wear the same clothes all the time, the little uh, blue jackets and everything. And they do have little characteristics in Osumatsu-san that aren't present in Osumatsu-kun. So they have little differences in their cowlicks, their expression, their eyes, and for certain, they have different voice actors. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the same in the the first two shows. I have not watched enough to know if they have different voice actors for those uh, six there. But after a few episodes, I think that the crew kind of got wise to the fact that a lot of people... Uh, wanted to be able to tell them apart with their different identities. So they get different outfits. Uh, they do separate things on their own. So worry not, David and viewer at home. It will become a little bit more apparent uh, who is who over time. This is important. I will this say. really is important <laughs> with the show. There are six of them. That's They're, really they just important. Move as a unit. It's, it's very strange. It's like the Shining twins times three. Exactly. Do the math. I can math. Well, well done, Jackson. <laughs> uh, next story. Uh, we're going to do, do a classic David Majors anime news podcast story and talk about a movie that's never going to come out. Uh, and this one in particular is James Cameron's. Battle Angel Alita adaptation, uh, coming to us from an actual, uh, legitimate entertainment news site, The Hollywood Reporter, uh, noted actor Christoph Waltz, Academy nominated actor, uh, of Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, James Bond's Spectre, and The Legend of Tarzan is in early negotiations to be the star of the adaptation of Battle Angel Alita from James Cameron. Uh, if Waltz signs a deal, he will play the character Dr. Dyson Ito. Uh, he is the, the cyber surgeon who finds a cyborg and becomes her mentor. Uh, film news websites are reporting that Rosa Salazar uh, from the Maze Runner and Divergent and a few of those other uh, young adult novel adaptations will be uh, Battle <laughs> Angel Alita's main lead role. Also, here's another part that looks to be really awesome. Uh, normally with these types of things, James Cameron would normally be the one to direct, but he's probably working on like the next three Avatar movies. Uh, so he's only going to be executive producing this one, but the guy that is supposed to be in line to direct this upcoming adaptation of Battle Angel Alita? Robert freaking Rodriguez, Jack. Are you kidding me? Oh my god. Straight up. And there's actually a date penned down of July 20th, 2018. So, yeah. It's looking like there's a good chance that this is going to happen. It's going to have a couple of great lead actors. Robert Rodriguez directing. What? I can't believe this. <gasps> and with James Cameron and his billions of dollars at the helm. This has so much potential. Like, this has potential to be unbelievable. And just think of the body of work that James Cameron has to his name. 
Avatar, the Terminator movies, Titanic, uh, and, and the list goes on and on. True lies. And true lies. True lies. Let's not forget true lies. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Christoph Waltz, a phenomenal actor, Django Unchained, he won a Best Supporting Actor for that role. Inglorious Bastards. Uh, he was in uh, 007 uh, Spectre. He was absolutely fantastic in that. Uh, that for anyone was who didn't see it. Stuff. Yeah. And wow, Jack, honestly, this, this could be ungodly levels of good. This is. I feel about this from the story the exact opposite that I feel about the upcoming Ghost in the Shell movie starring Scarlett Johansson. I feel the exact mm-hmm. opposite. This has so much potential. Uh, I am I I uh, really like the illustration that they provided in this article. It looks really interesting and um I might give uh Alita a little bit of a look see in the future to prepare myself for that. It it really is one of those seminal kind of, it really is one of those seminal early cyberpunk sci-fi animes. Uh, It is one of the, the early nineties cyberpunk sci-fi animes that really defined that genre. You can probably tell I hold it very near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's it's up there. It's it's up there with the ghosts and the shells and the Akiras of the world in in terms of aesthetic and style and influence in terms of this genre and the it idea definitely that feels it feels less get... corruptible than Ghost in the Shell at this point. Yeah, it really does because there's not Much a lot less. of material to work with beyond the original release. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like it feels like a giant, exciting unknown with this, because this is something that has been bandied about by James Cameron for years, and it has been in developmental hell for years. But to James Cameron's credit, he's always given periodic updates about it and saying, Yes, guys, I'm still working on Battle of Angel Alita. Yes, I know I'm doing Avatar. Yes, I, I'm doing another Avatar. Yes, Titanic happened. Yes, I'm doing all of these other things, but I promise I'm doing Battle Angel Alita. Look, here, here, here's Robert Rodriguez. He's helping me on it too. It, guys, I'm, I'm putting together a director, a cast. I'm doing all of these things. I'm really doing it. I swear we're not just derping around like the dude's working on the next Mortal Kombat movie that that is in developmental hell. We're really working on this. And to James Cameron's credit, movies like this that he's done, uh, the best comparison would be Avatar, they do take a lot of time, whether it's the CGI or the, the animation or just the overall scope of the world that he's going to have to build for something like this. It does take a lot of work, and to his credit, he hasn't stopped. Yes, I. Oh man, I just can't get over Rodriguez. That's this is going to be something that is going to go down in nerd culture. I can see it. This is going to be something, and oh man, <laughs> oh. Oh my and, and the fact that the fact that James Cameron is doing this and he's doing it after Avatar, 
like he's working on this before finishing the avatar sequels and, and this will kind of be his his next grand project that yeah. that says so much this is just massive this is absolutely massive if i were him and i'm sure he feels this way i'd have a lot of faith in this project because this has definitely got all the right ingredients to be something very very cool it, it has it has potential to be something to say special wouldn't do it justice. Like I remember how the world took to Avatar, Jack. Mm-hmm. If Battle Angel Alita can be one tenth of what Avatar was for the world at large, it would be incredible. Uh, not just for the anime genre, but for film, for sci-fi, for just everything that is entertainment that is a little bit outside of the superhero blockbuster norm. This yeah. really could be amazing. And a guy like Christoph Waltz can carry this. He has that level of gravitas as a performing actor to carry something this big. And for a guy that's as much of a genius level talent as Robert Rodriguez in terms of genre films, it really feels like all of the pieces are put together for this to be something special. Mm-hmm. I, oh man, there, I don't know this Rosa person. I don't because I kind of like to stay away from, uh, YA lit kind of adaptations. But uh, there is one thing that I am a little bit concerned about this not being as tremendous of a success as it could be. Uh, Mr. David Majors, are you familiar with um, what is being called in the industry a Hollywood implosion? Are you familiar with anything that had that term in it whatsoever in the last couple of months? I am familiar with this. However, Mm -hmm. comma... I believe that most of this is pointing towards the glut of comic book superhero movie adaptations that we have seen in recent years, whether it's Marvel or DC or somewhere in between. Uh, I believe that is where most of this lies. And in the case For of sure. Battle Angel. In the case of Battle Angel Alita, it is so far removed from the norm. Uh, In a lot of ways, it's like Avatar in that regard, in that it is so not a typical blockbuster kind of franchise or a brand. It's not a Marvel superhero brand. It's not a DC superhero brand. It's not something from Michael Bay. It is... An anime adaptation from the guy that gave us Avatar and Terminator with the director behind Once Upon a Time in Mexico and Sin City. Uh, and I Spy believe. Kids. And Spy Kids. Uh, and I believe, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And if it well, becomes something that bad, I won't care because it will be hilarious. But I'm, I, you know, the ingredients are there for it to be good. What but I am I imagining. Mind is that they are not trying to make this a, quote, popcorn flick, unquote, uh, which is kind of the impression I'm getting from the Ghost in the Shell movie. Mm -hmm. They are going to try and make this, uh, 
I would almost compare it to this gives me a vibe that is more like Sin City in that yeah. it will be something that exists within itself so much that it will be hard to compare it to anything else. It will be so foreign and so alien to the rest of what's happening in Hollywood that it could possibly be immune because it's such a foreign element. That it'll be the new Swiss Army Man is what you're saying. Perhaps. Or at worst, it could be Deus Ex Machina. Or Ex oh Machina, the, the movie from Duncan Jones. Uh, at mm-hmm. worst. Oh boy. Well, either way, whether they take this in a completely serious direction or if they embrace the the anime trappings and uh I, I mean with with older anime there isn't as much of um that brazen amount of ridiculousness but you know i would love to see just all the daka across the like, screen th- this is like old old school cyberpunk anime so th- this oh, is oh, so we're, we're talking about something along the lines of perhaps like he guy j thematically yes. perhaps yes okay uh, it, okay. it was in that time frame. Uh, Jack, Speaking do you remember? I do you would remem- love. To S- see. Sorry, Jack. One yes. more thing. Do you remember the the old ADV uh, commercials about how what is anime? Uh, and yes. they would say anime is sci-fi, and, and it's not yes. kids stuff. They were talking about Battle Angel Alita. That's what they were talking about. Awesome, awesome. Uh, just going back to what I was going to say is uh, Hollywood. If you're doing this, I would love to see you take Heat Guy J and condense it because there's a lot of subplots that go on in Heat Guy J. There could very well be enough of material to make a really solid uh, three hour, two and a half hour, three hour movie. You absolutely could. And of course, there's enough material for you to go back and do another one and perhaps another one. I, I apologize for that. I do. That's uh, okay. I would love. DJ Khaled the- is perfectly okay on the anime <laughs> podcast of some sort. And it's perfectly okay. But buddy cop movies are fantastic. I would like to, uh, provide my insight of, I think this would, this would also be an interesting adaptation if somebody could take something like that as well. Because here's the thing with cyberpunk is I don't think it's as ubiquitous as steampunk for sure. It doesn't have that tang of like your average Tim Burton movie. Uh, Did I ever tell you my story about uh, my cyberpunk experience at dragon con in Atlanta? No, do do tell. Okay, and this is so appropriate because Dragon Con just finished. Uh, Dragon Con in 2015, there was supposed to be a panel on cyberpunk where, where all of us futurists and cyberpunk fans could talk about the future and sci-fi and how we all want to upload our brain to the singularity. And eventually nobody really showed up to host the panel until a bunch of People that were more along the lines of the Renfair circuit showed up, and they really did not know much 
to talk about in terms of cyberpunk or sci-fi for that matter. And essentially, Jack, what you're describing is what I have experienced for years. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping maybe, along with a few other franchises that I love that are starting to have a resurgence, Alita might be the beginning of a kind of resurgence for futuristic sci-fi and cyberpunk. Cyberpunk, for sure, should definitely make a comeback. And just so anyone listening doesn't get their panties in a twist, I do think that there are definitely some things that do work with steampunk. But... It's time for a change. It's time to kind of pull in something a little bit more because I think we're a little bit oversaturated with your average uh, fantasy uh, Victorian era type of situation. It would be really cool to get a little bit more of the futuristic vibe. So I am looking forward to this and uh, I, I know what I'm going to spend my my one movie per year allotment on looking forward to. That is definitely something to be hype about, for sure. And I'm glad that you are happy and pleased with this uh, this news, David. Is really Jack, good I can I can honestly say the hype is real. Whoop whoop hype train. One uh, franchise. So there's thing. Yeah, yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so you brought something else to my attention that I know is something that you love very much. Uh, uh, not so much. This is that other... We're, we're talking about that <laughs> other long-running mech franchise that I'm not necessarily in love with. I got more than I wanted out of that. And I got so much more than I wanted. That's great. Um, so there is a... Uh, Move over Love Live, there's a new rhythm game looking to storm the App Store. Uh, so there is a commercial that debuted on Sunday for uh, details on, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, I want to say Dana. I don't think it's a hard E. Uh, there's a new smartphone game app based on Macross. So, uh, David... You are, I, you are Mr. I love giant robotos. Please, uh, tell the listeners what, what are your thoughts on Macross before we get any further with this? Macross is definitely an anime that has mechs in it, but it has always told more of a story about love and the power of pop music and how pop music and singers can save the universe. So I feel like a Macross game, uh, an app that's coming out next year, that is a rhythm game uh, revolving around the Macross franchise, uh, is perfectly appropriate. Uh, Uta Macross Sma Fo De Culture, uh, translated as Song Macross Smartphone De Culture. Uh, this that was is the going part be... that I needed to know the most what it meant. Deculture. What does that mean? Yeah. Is it uncultured? Are you unculturing something? Are we in the act of deculturing? I don't in, in understand, the ca- David. And in the case of Macross, 
Yes, it would be deculturing because in the <laughs> first Macross series, there was a big thing about alien culture and human culture and how they just couldn't gel with one another. Uh, but really at the end of the day, it's really all about the pop stars and the, the pop queens in the Macross franchise. And this game is not running from it, uh, including the legendary Lin Minmay from the original Super Dimension Fortress Macross series and the movies and OVAs and many others, Basra Neki and on and on. You know, when it comes to the Macross franchise, I'll say, this is appropriate. This is completely appropriate. This is what Macross is. Macross is definitely musically oriented. And I feel like this is okay. I think this is pretty in line with what Macross is. I, I would love the idea. Uh, there was a game that came out a few years ago called Dyad. Uh, where you were kind of playing sort of a wipeout kind of game that would respond to your maneuvering around the track with sounds and music. Uh, I feel like this is what this kind of reminds me of and how this game will work. I I'm okay. I, I feel like overall I'm okay with this. This this is not something where I'm screaming at, oh my god, what are they doing to the Macross franchise? As someone who knows Macross, but doesn't love it, but knows it, I'm saying, yeah, this is fine. This is about what I expect. This is actually very curious to me, because um, not being super uh, immersed in the mech genre, that sounds a little strange to me, to, to have... What it sounds basically to be Love Live or K-On or, you know, pick idol anime franchise here and just kind of shove Jack, mechs into it. No, Macross was doing saving the universe through pop songs 20 years before idols, before idols were a thing. Ugh. Right. And uh, the, there were, there was mecha action. There's plenty of it. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, th this has been a part of Macross since the, the original in 1980. Th this is right. as much a part of Macross as the robots. So it, it makes right. sense. Okay. I, I am not really clear where one will free associate in a doctor's office and one will say mecca and the other will shout pop stars but you and know the answer would good be, on you if you like and that honestly jack the answer is macross 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 mm -hmm. will do that well yes. uh, kudos to anybody who enjoys macross and uh you have a new game to look forward to that doesn't seem to be as uh trite with its gameplay as love live was i'm sorry i can't get over here's the thing okay i've realized right now with all the the pokemon go and the temple runners and the angry birds i am not a phone game type of person i really am not david if i'm going to pick up a tiny device and play i want it to be able to dish out all the delicious combos from all of my favorite fighters 
I want it to be able to provide an, an in-depth look at all of the creatures that I am shooting with my dual sticks. I want it to basically, I need it to be a 3DS or a PS Vita. Not you want to, what you're saying is you want to play your games and not tap your games. Yes, I would much rather not have to look at a tiny creature and try and guide Candy into its greedy, entitled, stupid maw. I'm sorry, I really hate Cut the Rope. That is another one that is just absolutely idiotic to me. If you're going to play physics games... Did you do Flappy Bird? (laughs) No. Uh, Sadly, that was the point of time when I would uh, briefly... Very briefly, don't don't think I was doing this for fun, but I would briefly check out whatever in the hell that the the YouTuber gamer scene was doing. Mm. And I saw 30 seconds of some shill screaming at his television screen and immediately exited. That was just not for me. I, I don't blame you at all. And who knows? Mm-mm. Maybe, Jack... A game like this will end up on the PS Vita, which I know is your area of expertise. Oh, because I know you had, I know you have a Vita game that is that might be very near and dear to my heart. What we're going to talk about in a minute. Oh yes, because that was yes. a segue, folks. Uh-huh. I I will I will not mention by name, but definitely better than some I have heard in the podcasting career I have had. A storied career. Excellent stuff. All right, that being said, what about this new article? What about it? Uh, this next story comes to us courtesy of ANN uh, regarding a currently airing series called Regalia, the Three Sacred Stars. We almost talked about this one on its in season, but uh, the director stunned the fan base by announcing a month-long halt in its broadcast. Uh, the reason uh, that it is being stopped per the uh, the producer, Takayuki Nagatani, uh, was that he is noticing a recognizable difference between the show's planned quality and the current quality. Uh, with the show's broadcast restarting uh, on September 1st, not that long ago. Uh, so this was the first month of the show, and its first episode in Onward. Uh, Nagatani says the production staff was dissatisfied with the show's animation, direction, and sound, and everything at the beginning, and came to realize that resolving the story in 13 episodes while conveying the information adequately would be difficult. So, uh, he made the call to stop production, kind of refocus, and get everything back in working order, uh, as best as they could with the budget they had and the time that they had. Uh, the changes will include additional lines and scenes and alterations to the animation and direction and the themes and intentions they were trying to convey. Uh, there will also be, um, there's also going to be a remake, uh, that will be, sh- have a little bit more, um, an emphasis on stories and characters. So overall, it's looking like 
the original episodes may not be remade or even be available. I'm guessing in a future DVD release or something, he'll go back to it. But it's looking like overall, in the beginning of the show, he just was not happy with the production. Now, Jack, this is the first time I've heard of an ant. No, no, it's not. This is the second time. Uh, I've been noticing a lot of this lately, though, where whether it's games or cartoons, or anything where a producer or a director will say, you know what, this isn't working out the way we wanted it. We're going to stop production, we're going to hold off for a little bit, and when we're going to come back, when it's right. We all live in a world of deadlines and early releases and never getting anything done on time. So I give this guy a lot of credit for having some some backbone and saying nope we're we're putting pause on this we're hitting the pause button and we're we're gonna go back and regroup i i agree i think it's again we talked about this before in the past it's just a recurring theme is that if when you are very vocal and transparent to your audience about what is going on you deserve a lot of credit you really do and i feel like his reasons given do not feel like cop-outs. They feel like very decent reasons. And he also says here, uh, uh, well, I lost it. He says that uh, you must be thankful to staff who let you do this. It's it's a lot of, uh, for sure, it's a big risk to have done something like this. And, you know, it's time to get a little bit arty for me. Just a second. Just very briefly. I'm just going to say. By all means. I, think- I, I was also going to say before you do this. Uh, this yes. also does have robots in it. It does have mech and jack. In and the they are hand drawn. Hand drawn. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That that to me, that stood out. I thought to myself, absolutely, that is going to take a lot of money and a lot of time. And when you don't, when you have something uh, that doesn't necessarily have the budget or the pull of code geos that can be a huge a huge risk uh i just wanted to say i think uh talking about the themes and everything that he wants to convey with this anime i think it is really interesting and of course refreshing to hear somebody say you know what we don't have the intent coming across that we want because a lot of times, as an artist, as a creator, you have to make sacrifices. You do. Sometimes that's just how it goes. Sometimes you get exactly what you want, but other times you just compromise. Because it's too damn much work to try and start over after you're already halfway through. And this is so unusual. This is such a strange circumstance. But... I think that they've handled it in the best way possible and I am just gonna, you know, I I give I give them all the kudos. I, I think it's you know, a really good thing. What I have seen just looking around is that once again, as we've said with games and, and other franchises, the fan response has been generally positive. In that he's they're saying, Oh, well, if they're going to take some time to regroup things, do a little bit better with the animation, put a little bit more in the budget for everything all around, take some time to get it right. Okay. Okay. We've, that's fine. We've had, 
we've had decades of everybody going behind one another's back, consumers being ungrateful, uh, studios not being upfront about shortcomings, and all of the producer tomfoolery and fuckery. This, this is something I think is, it, it continues to happen, and everybody is really positive and has good vibes about it. I, I just think this is beginning, well, not beginning, this is definitely not the first incident, but I think we're kind of easing ourselves into an era where everyone is just a little bit more open with themselves and with one another uh, in terms of entertainment. And that is absolutely what the industry needs in order to continue being uh, in order in order to serve its purpose. I honestly think that it's such a huge thing in America and, of course, in uh, in Japan to have these these shows and the, uh, all of our media and everything. So I think that it is, it's, it's a really good thing. It's a really good thing. And I'm absolutely, like I said, I'm, I'm proud of this guy. I am proud of this, of this Japanese man who is very likely much older than me. I think that he's done a really cool thing and everybody is, I, I think this is, like I said, I think this is starting a, a really good era of transparency that this industry needs. And this is something that I experienced personally with a franchise that I enjoyed uh, in 2015, God Eater. Uh, this was an anime that we talked about last year on It's in Season. It was one that I held in very high regard uh, at 13 episodes. However... Uh, the last four episodes of the series had to be halted and did not air until early 2016. Uh, so we kind of had to put the kibosh on it. Uh, I might come back to it uh, for the next episode if it's in season. I don't know. But right now, I, I want to give my final take on God Eater, a show that I really enjoyed. Uh, from late last year that finished uh, earlier this year. I finally caught the last four episodes. Uh, the first thing that I really enjoyed about this show was that the animation was really interesting. It had that kind of uh, not-quite-rotoscope with its monster animation. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like that style when it comes to monster animations or action sequences, but I personally do. Uh, also, uh, I remember describing God Eater as being a anime-ass anime. It was very anime-like, uh, but not in the meme kind of way, where there's lots of meme material or waifu material or moe blob material, but it was very much kind of your action anime with characters that have inner conflict, external conflict. It was a very dramatic anime that had no self-awareness. It was very earnest in how much... It, it was very earnest in the seriousness of the action and the conflict and the story. And I loved that. Sometimes I like a show that believes in what it's doing without having to wink at the camera to show everyone how silly it is. And God Eater was definitely a show that believed in itself. Some people might say it took itself a little too seriously. 
I like to say that it's a show that believed in itself. The characters, uh, after I got reacquainted with them, uh, they were all a little archetypal, but in the end, they all had good resolutions. Uh, everything worked out the way you would have hoped, uh, including one character uh, who I guess could sort of be that character that everyone likes in an anime. Uh, he, he even had his own interesting resolution. Um, there was a little bit maybe open for a second season. Uh, the action stayed good all the way till the end. You could see with the last four episodes that they managed to use the budget for the remaining episodes well. Uh, the final boss, the final monster that they had was an absolute beast. Uh, this was the kind of action you hope Attack on Titan will have someday when it comes out. But the action was really intense, really fun. The characters all had resolutions that were relatively satisfying. And overall, when it comes to God Eater, DJM's pick from It's in Season of Fall 2015, I was pretty happy with how it concluded. Uh, I will recommend... Uh, anyone that watched God Eater and hadn't finished it to go back. Uh, if you enjoyed it, it ended well. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. And that is my take. Uh, Jack, uh, I know yeah. that you had a little something on God Eater because oh, yes. uh, it is, it is one of those big overarching franchises that is actually uh, originating from a video game and that leads us into the anime podcast of some sort, Council of Twelve PlayStation Vita Game of the Episode. Oh, yes. Jackson, please take it away. So we have uh, God Eater Resurrection for the PS Vita by Bondi Games. And it is... Very interesting because I, I have not picked up this title yet, but it is currently $20 on the PlayStation Store. I'm not sure if that's a sale price or if that is the regular price. I believe that at launch it was 40 so it could be a sale. Uh, and it looks to be your typical 3D free-roaming RPG uh, where you you kill, you kill these creatures. And it uh, it looks to have it has really good graphics for the Vita. Vita is really good about having really nice uh, cell shaded anime graphics. You can create your own character. And what I like about what it has on the PlayStation Store is <laughs> the character's name is Banam Banam that this person has chosen. All lowercase B A N N A M, and they just repeated it for the last name. Uh, looks like there's a lot of degrees of customization. You get to interact in your own unique story. And I'll just read a couple of these little bullets on the back of the box, so to speak. Take control of the newest recruit to Fenrir's Far East Branch, a new type God Eater with a rare ability to wield a variable God Arc that transforms between blade and gun form. Hack, slash, and shoot your way through hordes of origami and extract evil at its core. So it looks like you can choose what type of a game that you're playing. More of a Devil May Cry or a Bayonetta sort of thing. 
the hunter becomes the hunted, master predator style, with charge, quick combo, step, and air variations on the god arc's devour ability. Featuring over 100 hours of content, God Eater Resurrection features an immersive story driven by deep character development, a robust battle system, and addictive mission-based gameplay in a unique post-apocalyptic setting. And as far as I know from uh, what I've heard of the anime, that seems to be absolutely correct. And you can even play uh, with up to three other players online to basically do the God Eater equivalent of Monster Hunter. So it looks really interesting. It definitely sounds like a lot of fun. I have seen some trailers and some uh, gameplay footage of this, and I can say that the sound design, music, graphics, animation all look pretty darn sweet. And I know that there is a, uh, a sequel to the anime basically kind of a follow-up video game for the ps4 called god eater 2 and uh i'm not familiar with your console setup entirely david but that I, might I'm be something to take it, a look at i'm i'm putting it in my cart right now yes i'm, I'm god eater I'm 2 not, rage i'm not burst. even kidding i'm not oh even man kidding. oh man this will be in my playstation cart before the night's over excellent um I did want to mention a couple more uh, Vita games that were relevant to either our talks on the podcast today or just in just in general from what people know about uh, about us and our podcast. Uh, speaking of Osamatsu-san, there has been uh, an announcement that Idea Factory, which is known for all kinds of things that range from your eh reaction to uh, oh that that could be interesting uh they're mostly known for visual novels i believe they did code access which was a really interesting steampunk environment that lurked really well you met characters such as abraham van helsing and victor frankenstein there's no accounting for historical accuracy here that's where i go for books and the like it was really nicely illustrated, really good, and it looks like they're going to do a dating sim style game. And oh, honestly, that sounds hilarious. I uh, let's let's uh, I'm going to regale everybody a little bit with a, a quote by one of my heroes, Steve Purcell, uh, the author of the comic series Sam and Max. Uh, he finds that. A lot of people tend to create things that are more serious and that they aren't, uh, they don't think that comedy is anything other than frivolous. But he has always been of the opinion that, you know, you can make something that is absolutely meaningful or interesting that if you don't play it completely straight. And if anyone is familiar with Sam and Max, that is entirely the case. Uh, and I'm wondering if Idea Factory is going to take the source material, which is absolutely comedy-based, and play it entirely for laughs. I'm certainly hoping. Now, David, I know that you are likely aware from the first episode is that they have their their super detailed, super anime bishonen forms. But I'm really hoping. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep an eye on this in the back of my mind and and see. Uh, once this becomes uh, closer to launch for Japan, that they, uh, 
I'm going to hope that they actually keep like the the little dumpy John Arbuncle art style because that will become my must buy just for the just for the hilarity of it. I'm sorry. I am one of the kind of people who really loved Hotful Boyfriend. That just tickles my funny no, bone. That's okay. Uh, as oh, you know, my my friend and former co-host on the Nashi Anime Podcast, Lily Inverse, is also a fan of Hotful Boyfriend. And overall, there's nothing wrong with dating, dating Sims, which is why I said, of course. Of course this is going to happen. Absolutely. I, I imagine this will be a lot of fun. And that's it, okay. it should be hilarious. It should be absolutely hilarious. And there is one more thing. Uh, actually, there's there's a couple. Um there is a uh, North American release for uh, the famous Bullet Hell Toho series because uh, apparently uh, the, the Hikikomori style shut-in that is known as Zune, the developer, decided that he is all down for what is basically become Sony's indie machine, the PS Vita. So uh, I let me see right here. Uh, the name of the game, this page is in Japanese. Uh, Toho Project Game, a new doujin project. So it's not entirely certain if this is canon to your favorite Bullet Hell series, but it is called... Imp- uh, let me see. No, that that's actually the name here. <clears throat> uh, actually, they do not have an official name for it yet. But Even better. The that that titles works for are Toho. Coming- <laughs> the titles are coming for PlayStation 4 and PS Vita, so take a look for that if Toho is your bag, because this will also get a North American release for these. That is the coolest thing I have heard. I have recently gone into Toho because of my uh, technological specs that have recently come into. And, David, I know we've talked about this one before. This is the yes, icing Jackson. on the cake. The very last one. We talked about a little thing on a previous podcast called Valkyrie Drive. Do you remember uh, this? Ah, yes. Valkyrie Drive. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, uh, there are rumors, and I can't find anything that uh, on any of the quote-unquote listed sources, such as Silicon Air and Polygon, no one has confirmed anything, but there are rumors that are spreading and they are becoming deeply unsettling that this is going to get a North American release. And you know what yes. that means? Somebody, somebody is going to buy this for me and I'm going to hate it. Yes. Gonna hate, I'm gonna, gonna Queen. Yes. And it's you so- will talk about it right here on the anime podcast of some I'm sort. So yes, you will. This has to happen. <laughs> For those of you who are not aware of Valkyrie Drive Mermaid, uh, there's an anime for this and a Vita game that was released in Japan. And basically, it's done by the makers of Senran Kagura, which have been brought over. Uh, there are surprisingly fun games, actually. I've even heard uh, Max Vader of the other side, Anime Outsiders, uh, speak Oddly, oddly, uh, highly of how odd that the uh, oddly nice that the stories are very filled with intrigue and betrayal and everything like that. Uh, I just remember the gameplay being pretty solid. But oh boy, this is basically Senren Kagura boob and butt physics plus lesbians that are in a 
kind of soul eater type weapon and user packed. So if this ends up becoming a thing, I, I will have no choice, but for the love of God, please don't make me do this. Please, please don't make me do this. Yes, certainly don't. And certainly don't uh, send Jack a tweet at Jack D. Tyler D. uh, Suggesting that you might get this game for him. Certainly don't do that. Because we certainly wouldn't want to talk about this on an upcoming episode of the anime podcast of some sort. We certainly wouldn't want to do that now, would we, Jack? David, it's worse than I thought. It's actually... It's going to be available October 25th of this year for North America. Oh, Jackson. No. Oh, Jackson. No. This might have this might have to be an APOS special. We might have to make this a thing. And everybody, you might have to tune in. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast now in iTunes. Search for anime podcast of some sort by name or my name, David Majors. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is going to be wonderful. No. Jack, you could could even (laughs) potentially write about this game on your Tumblr at mechanicalsymphonies.tumblr. Dot com. Ooh, Jack, you know what you could do? You could even YouTube or stream or put a video up on this game for your Patreon at patreon.com slash Jack Noir Draws. J-A-C-K-N-O-I-R-E Draws, everybody. And make sure you subscribe to this very podcast, the anime podcast of some sort. I'm David Majors. I'm at Just Call Me DJM and DeltaJulietMike.com and all of my other stuff. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. God oh, yes. is dead. This is going to be a thing. Oh boy, oh boy. Good night, everybody. Good night.